I've had uh, that music sound really good, by the way. The bass and the Matheson with the drums. That's that's good stuff. Advancing. I want to see like you know Matheson with the long hair and have Curves bring out his mullet more and Ben just like just nothing but hair, just just doing this. You know what I'm saying? That's my what I'm aspiring to. So this morning I'm going to talk about anger. Why are you so angry? There's a lot of activity going on back there. I'm not just wait. I get distracted easy. I'm sorry. Oh. Sorry. I'll start. Why so angry? Megan Langford? Why so angry? Smiles. Keisha had a lot of anger. That's why she's got the cane right now. She gets into fights all the time. We try to pray for her and talk to her, but it's just not, not helping. Now, anger is one of those things that, uh, I guess just sin in general that, you know, we kind of, we put it in the ca category of like slander and gossip and things that we see are like small and we have a good understanding of it so we don't really need to focus on it that much, you know. Um, and I think that we kind of have like a picture in our minds of what a, what a certain sin may be. And if we're not as bad as that sin, then we don't really worry about it that much. You know, like if, you know, it's, I don't really have a problem with lust, you know. It's not like I'm on a beach, you know, just walking behind people, just checking them out, you know what I'm saying, just, just staring them up and down. I'm not doing that, so I don't really have a problem with lust, you know. Or, or it's not like um, I just maybe stole some office supplies. It's not like I stole a car or nothing, you know what I'm saying. So it's, I don't really have a problem with, with stealing. But we don't do the same thing, you know, with th sins that we may see that have more consequences like adultery or murder or, you know, you know, it's just a little bit of adultery, you know what I'm saying? I can't, you know, you can't tell your spouse that, you know what I'm saying? They're not going to, I don't think that's going to go over that well for you, you know, it's just a little bit. Or it's just a little bit of murder, you know, I just killed one person. Am I such a monster? You know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, officer, you know, it's just one pound of cocaine, you know, it's not that bad. But with, you know, sin is sin, you know, there's no real levels on the sin, you know. It's all the same. So what I want to do this morning is really to uh, broaden our picture of not, I'm going to be specifically talking about anger, but just sin in general. We're really just going to be talking about the nature of sin and how we just kind of let it linger around. So um, let me pray real quick before we get started. I was just kidding about Keisha. She's, let's give her a hand for just making it out. I was just kidding, right? It wasn't really, you didn't really get in those. I'm just messing with you. Let me pray. <laughs> Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this time just to be able to get into your word. And I just pray, Lord, that you give us more understanding of not just anger and hostility, God, but also just the nature of sin, Lord, and, and how your power can conquer that in our lives and through our lives in building your kingdom, Lord. Praise you. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I got a few scriptures this morning. Um, Y'all may just want to write it down because I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going through them, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I'll tell you what they are. You can write them down. First one is Proverbs 29, verse 22. Uh, I don't have to know what number that is in your blue Bible. Y'all just may have to start reading the Bible and know where it is, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I love y'all. Proverbs 29, verse 22. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. Somebody say many sins. Many sins. 
Or what's a hot-tempered person? Anybody? What does that mean? We don't even know. Ain't that a shame? What was that? Gets angry quickly. Angry quickly, yeah. So like a scale from like 1 to 10, you know, 1 being, you know, you laid out on a beach maybe. Y'all like beaches, right? Laid out on a beach, Rochelle, you know, sipping whatever you're sipping on, you know. Beautiful people around, maybe. You know, you just relax. Number one, and 10 is, what's, what can 10 be? 10 is you're running around with a baseball bat, wildly swinging, shouting profanities or something like that. That would be 10. You know, so a hot-tempered person, you'll be at like, you're always at like a seven. You get just carrying anger around with you. Or you have, a, you have a person, or maybe you're not an angry person on a general basis, but, you know, you may be in a certain situation in your life where uh, you just, you're currently hot-tempered. Just carrying that thing around. And it says that the hot-tempered person will, will get into many sins. James 1, 19, verse, uh, 1, 19 and 20. We read that earlier, Kwame. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read this because I, I got a lot of scriptures. All right. I'll let y'all know. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Pretty self-explanatory, right? You know, if we're in anger and we're allowing that to impact our lives and our anger takes control of us, then we, uh, we're not going to be able to follow the path that God wants us on. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. A lot of you should know that one. It's that one talking about love. It's read at all the marriages and stuff. It says, it is, love is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Um, I had a friend in middle school once who was so easily angered. Like, just over like nothing. Just, just dumb stuff. Um, and unfor unfortunately, I, would, I probably added to some of that anger. I, would, I was messing with him a lot. You know, and I, uh, I used to... Uh, just because it amused me. I was bored. I was young and bored, so don't, don't judge me for this. But I was like, I used to like break like the tips of his pencils. And he only had like two pencils. So I'd just like break them and then he'd go sharpen them. And then he wouldn't be looking. I'd come and I'd break the pencils again and run off. And it just, just watch the anger unfold. It's just beautiful. <laughs> Sometimes I would, uh, I'd steal his chocolate milk while he was uh, at lunch. You know what I'm saying? And just, again, he'd just get, his face would get so red and just, and I know that's awful. I'm sorry. But the point is, some of us are like that, you know, we're easily angered over, like, just dumb stuff. Especially in church, you know, we can, we just hold on to something and just, until it explodes. Does anyone have, like, a definition of anger? I can tell this is going to be one of those mornings when nobody says nothing. That's a nice, that's a nice one. Mr. Brandon. I looked up the definition I have here is a, a strong feeling of displeasure or hostility. We all right with that one? Good enough? I'm getting a nod from Ben. I'm good. He's my checkpoint, you know. We don't have to go far to find this hostility, you know. We're, we live in Baltimore. I don't know if y'all know this, but Baltimore kind of has a reputation about it. I'm not saying I agree with the reputation. I'm just going to talk about the reputation that some people have. You know, it's a... I have a lot of friends that live outside the state 
and they, uh, they won't come visit me. I have to go visit them because they say Baltimore is just too hostile. They, they can't handle it. Um, one of them told me a story that their first experience in Baltimore, they were at a red light and like as soon as the light turned green, I mean as soon as it turned green, there's honks all on the back of them, people shouting at them, go, go, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all Jess's fault, now I know. Now there's another story they told me, of, I think it was the same day, they were walking in, um, down the street and they saw a lady walking, down the, uh, walking across the street and there was a car coming and it was as if, you know, the light was red and the car was coming but the light turned green and it was as if the car sped up just to hit the woman. So the woman had to run really quick across the street and the person in the car was shouting profanities at her and honking the horn and the woman turned around and like was ready to fight. She started shouting profanities. Everyone was shouting profanities. It was just, it was just anger everywhere. Just this morning I saw two birds fighting over some food. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I, I'm not going to go far as saying there's like an evil spirit of anger. But I'll say there's something that needs to be prayed against on like a consistent basis. The media, you can find a lot of anger in the media, a lot of radio talk shows, a lot of anger. Um, I'm not going to have no, no names, I don't, you all, all might listen to some of them shows, I don't know. But a lot of radio talks, talk shows, a lot of uh, musicians, I mean music is so influential, especially over kids and you have uh, a lot of angry music out there. So listen to angry music, listen to angry radio stations. And then did the whole world to just live in anger. They're just, just ready. They're at like that, they're at level seven. You know what I'm saying? Ready to pick up the baseball bat and run around. We have churches that are angry. Um, that's a shame, too. We're angry at abortion. I'm not going to say whether you should, you know, there's certain things we should be angry about, but we take it a little bit too far. You know, we're angry at abortion, we're angry at same-sex marriage, we're angry at Democrats, a lot of us are angry at Obama, you know, we're angry at that, that author, Rob Bell, got a lot of, a lot of uh, attention recently. And we, uh, I mean, y'all see like on the news, you know, sometimes we Christians just take it a little too far. We're just no longer, we're angry at a certain issue. We're now, our anger is directed at a person and we're tearing them down and we're condemning that person. And that's just not the gospel anymore. Some of us are angry, you know. I'm, I'm angry. I got pet peeves. I know some of y'all probably have some pet peeves, you know. Um, I used to have road rage. I'm working on it. Um, but, like, I used to, like, you cut me off and I'll just, I may chase you down. I might follow you to your house or something like that. I don't know. I don't do that anymore. I've tried to lay off that. My, uh, my dad has a pet peeve. He's a, uh, he hates dust. And uh, when I was younger, coming up, I remember uh, if my, like, my TV was dusty or something, and I heard my dad come in, I would panic. Because my dad is very intense. And just, even if he's happy, he's intense. And uh, I, would get, I would get fearful. He just, uh, he would be one of those people who's kind of at a seven when it comes to dust. Some of us may have that, uh, that same type of thing, you know, when you over something that seems petty to someone else, but, you know, it rises up. Maybe some of you are married, you know, you have certain issues you don't want to talk about because you're afraid that you're going to have some issues, some hostility. You know what I'm saying? And then there's a passive-aggressive anger. 
that's where a lot of us, especially Christians, lie. You know, we're, we're good at passive-aggressive anger. Because we want to be like Jesus, right? So we don't want to show any anger. Some of us, you know, revenge, you know, not like a Rambo type of revenge, you know, it's more like a, you know, you've been holding on to something for so long and you're waiting for that opportunity to tear that person down. You won't admit it to yourself, but you know it's there. Or maybe sabotage at work, you know, you, you, you won't work as hard as you could with a coworker or for a boss because, you know, you want their plan to fail, you want them to fail. Or maybe it's uh, ignoring people. It's another one that we do. You know, we have a problem with someone, especially within church, we just avoid the person. Won't talk to them, won't include them in things that we have over our house or whatnot. We just want to avoid the whole issue. Gossip, snitching. Can't tell you how many times that uh, I'd have someone that just got in a fight with maybe a spouse or a, a friend and they come and they're, they're venting. But they're justifying their anger and just saying a lot of things that they shouldn't be saying to me. Things that I don't need to know, you know. Um, and they, they say it's okay because they're angry. You don't know what you did. You don't, they'd be saying that you don't know what they did to me, you know. Or you don't understand the situation. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to say these things about them. We do it all the time. This anger, this hostility is it's like a disease. It gets in you, you know. It's... It's like a beast that's out there, this, this entity, this, this thing. And you may say, well, you know, John, that's a great Dr. Phil message, but what does that have to do with the gospel? What does that have to do with the church? What does it have to do with our spiritual walk? Besides the fact, you know, that it's sin, you know what I'm saying. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says this, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man will trap you. We're afraid of hostility. We're afraid of offending anybody. We're afraid of confrontation. We're afraid of causing some type of frustration. We're just, we're afraid to deal with any issues. Even if you don't have a personal problem with it, it's still a problem for everybody. Just living in this city, you know, if we're going to reach this city with the gospel of Christ, we can't be afraid of confrontation. We can't be afraid of stepping on someone's toes. I mean, the gospel itself is not that Jesus' point was to offend people, but obviously you read the gospel, some people were turned away by Jesus. A lot of people were turned away by his words or something that he did to speak in truth. We can't be afraid to confront issues. You'll see it in churches a lot. You'll see churches fall apart because... The leaders of the church saw things going on, but they didn't want to deal with the issues. They just assumed they would go away. And they didn't go away, obviously. It just, this disease of anger just kind of infiltrated every part of the church and, and eventually it exploded. And you're sitting back wondering, what happened? What happens and you didn't deal with anything? You didn't want to confront it when you had the chance. See, in marriages a lot, you know, you wonder how this couple got divorced or whatnot. And they had issues that they just didn't want to deal with. You know, they were afraid to talk about it. They were afraid to be real with one another, and it didn't work out. And all of a sudden, they're blowing up at each other, and everyone's just standing in awe. What, what happened? So we get to the point where, you know, hostility is, is we're so afraid of it, we just kind of let it do whatever it wants to do. And it's out there just doing whatever. 
you know. We let it into our homes. We let it into our churches. You know, we still love God. So we want to, we'll do like outreaches and stuff like that, you know, to appease our conscience, you know. We do just enough to make ourselves feel good, like we're doing something. But we won't be doing as, as much as we know we could be, because again, we're too scared. You know, it's like we go on an outreach and like, you know, there's, there's things that God's stirring in our hearts to do, or a message we're supposed to speak, or a, a vision God's given that particular church. And we'll step out there, you know, and we'll kind of see if, we'll kind of test the water, see if it's too hostile for us, you know what I'm saying? And if it is, you know, we kind of back off, we just kind of do a little bit, you know what I'm saying? We'll love a little bit, preach a little bit. He's looking for hostility, you know what I'm saying? And if it's cool, everything's, you know, then we're bold, you know what I'm saying? Then we don't have a problem, you know? We're acting like, you know, us and God are like this, you know what I'm saying? And then as soon as hostility comes again, we run away. We do that all the time. We're, um, Reverend Joel was going to be reading about uh, Acts soon, I think, right? Acts? You're going to find that the apostles weren't afraid of confrontation. You know, they weren't afraid to stand up for the Lord. They didn't have a fear of man. They trusted God. There has to be a part of us that's kind of separate from what man thinks about us. You know, there has to be a part of us that's, that's sold out to God and that we're not going to let anything separate us from this connection with God. So where does anger start? Where does this hostility begin? I think it comes from two different places. It comes inwardly. It starts inwardly, obviously, with our emotions. And it also happens just with a, relationally. Just We have misunderstandings with one another, you know? Everyone look around the room. Look around. Get your pointing finger out. And then make a, make a good judgmental face, you know what I'm saying? Do you. Matheson is just pointing at me. It's making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> and then take the finger and point it back at yourself. The same judgmental look. That's where it begins. You know, we're angry at one another. We, again, we may not call it anger. We may just, it's just some tension. It's just some hostility. It doesn't fit that picture of anger enough for us to do anything about it. We don't think it's a problem. But especially like in this church and our vision for the church is to, to be d diverse. And we're going to have people of different backgrounds, people of different cultures. It's naive to believe that we're never going to rub one another the wrong way. You know, that we're, uh, that we're never going to, that no one's ever going to say something or do something that's going to bother us a bit. Joel may preach something that, you know, maybe you misunderstand and it just, it, it carries with you. And instead of approaching Joel and talking it out, you might just leave. It happens in churches all the time. Again, you don't deal with the hostility. You're afraid to confront the issue. And it tears us apart. And then I look at, you know, the Christian. And how does anger Im impact us as just as a Christian? And, uh, first of all, I see, like, I see Christians especially, we're on, like, two sides. You have one side what they call their hostility righteous anger. And then you have another side where it's almost we, we become robotic. We don't want to have any emotions at all. We're just, 
Anger in and of itself is just sin, and we want to stay away from it. We're not allowed to have any feelings about anything. And um, let's talk about that for a second. You know, if, if I go outside and someone has slipped my tires, y'all are going to see an angry man before you. I'm going to be angry, rightly so. The question is, what am I going to do with that anger? Am I going to take that anger to what I know about God and my relationship with God and act in wisdom and grace? Deal with it accordingly? Or am I going to find my baseball bat, walk down the street, and just find people who look guilty to me? You know what I'm saying? I, it all depends on what I do with that anger. But anger in and of itself is it's an emotion. Some of us need to get a little angry. You know, there's, there's some issues that we're not dealing with and that the enemy is having reign in our lives, and we need to get a little angry about it. In Christ, in grace, in truth. But we need to get a little angry about it. And then you have the other side, the righteous anger. And these are the people that we talked about earlier. You know, people maybe have good causes that they're fighting against, but they're, not, they're no longer against the cause. They're now against people. And the Bible says, you know, our battle's not with flesh and blood, right? It's about forces of darkness. That's where our battle is. So we shouldn't be tearing people down. We shouldn't be condemning them. That's, how is that going to bring them closer to Christ? But we'll call it righteous anger. You know, the Bible says this. So therefore, it gives me the right to be a jerk. You know what I'm saying? That's really what it is. It gives me the right to tear people down. Look at what the Bible says. I can do this. I can say this. And they skip over the verses about love and grace. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that's not in their Bible or whatnot. Or if they're just interpreting that differently. Righteous anger. Let's read uh, James 1, 19-20 again. Dig into that a little more. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Slow to speak. I like that part there. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. There's a lot of debates that go on. You know, just in heated debates. You know, people, their voices get all high and they get all defensive in some Christian debates. You know, you can just bust out, you know, James 1, 19. You know what I'm saying? Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Just be like, blah. You know what I'm saying? That's all you got to do. But sometimes with Christians in particular, we are... Uh, We'll hear the Spirit of God. We'll know the Word of God. But we'll be angry about something. Maybe someone did something to us or someone that we really care about. And we'll want to act as the Word of God says or as God is leading us. But we'll also hear that voice of anger. And what we know of God is now being filtered through that anger. And you're going to preach the Word of God to them. You'll, you'll act accordingly, but you're also adding a little cut to it so you can tear them down. Just a little bit. Again, you may not even admit it to yourself because it may not fit that picture of anger, but you add a little something to it so you can feel good about tearing them down. So you can feel justified. And as we see here, you know, this, a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. This hostility, if we don't deal with it, becomes a huge problem. Um, a, a, two good examples of this is uh, in Numbers... It's chapter 20, verse 11, 
where Moses is, uh, y'all know the story, most of you, where Moses is leading the ch children of Israel. And um, they keep whining and complaining about, you know, why did we ever leave where we were, you know, and Moses, why did you do this? Why are we here now? We're, we shouldn't, we're better off back in slavery and such, whatever. And that can, that can wear on you, you know? And uh, Moses went to God, and God said, God was going to have mercy, and he said, speak to the rock. And the rock was going to bring out some water for the people, and God was going to be merciful. Moses did not speak to the rock. At this point, Moses was a little angry. I think he calls them rebels in that scripture. Listen, you bunch of rebels, all right? Here's your water. And he, like, he struck the rock twice. That much anger, just this blow and blow. Water just coming out. And he walked away and went out back and vented or something. I don't know. Whatever he would do. But we saw the anger getting the better of him. He was still acting according to God. But his anger kind of got the better of him. Um... I remember the time I was over uh, the curses. Sometimes I'm over with the kids, and, uh, and I have to fit, you know, Jaden and Eden in the, in the sermon somehow. And uh, <laughs> I was over the house, and uh, like it, it's a lot of times I'm over there, and like one of them or both of them will be whining about either being hungry or not wanting to go to bed, and I'm like it'd be, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm hungry, or I don't want to go to bed right now. And then they'll get closer. I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And these two have amazing restraint, let me tell you. Because at that time, anger is raising up in me. You know, I, I just want to, if you don't go upstairs right now, you know what I'm saying, that's what I'm, that's the picture in my mind. I just want to, mm. but you two, just, I don't know if that's just because you got company over or, or what, you know what I'm saying, I don't, maybe, might be a different story if I wasn't there. <laughs> but, uh, and that's kind of how they were like with, uh, with Moses, you know, just, Constant grumbling. Eventually it wears on you. Um, another good example, Acts uh, 15, 36 and 41. It's uh, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, they're ministering together. And uh, they're about to go on another trip. And uh, I think Barnabas wants to take Mark on this trip with him. And uh, Paul has a big problem with it. And because um, Mark had abandoned them on her last trip. And uh, it doesn't really get very detailed um, in this scripture here, but apparently they had such a disagreement that they split ways. And um, they went off in different directions. I don't think you hear about Barnabas and Mark ever again in Acts. So maybe Paul was right, I don't know. But, uh, you know, we see, like, breakups in ministry a lot. You know, just, again, over petty stuff sometimes. You know, I got a problem with, you know, how you preach or how the music is done or I have a problem with... What you said to me last night, you know, you offended me. You hurt my feelings. And again, we don't deal with it. It becomes a problem. So as we look through the Gospels, how is it that Jesus would deal with this hostility? Because Jesus lives in a, a hostile environment as well, and a lot more hostile than, than we live, you know? And I see an example of this it's in uh, John 8, verse 1 through 11. It's the, the woman caught in adultery. Y'all should know that story. And you, you have a woman who was uh, dragged out in the act of adultery. Now, first of all, that's, that's embarrassing. The very act of adultery 
you know, I'm not going to get detailed because I keep my sermon PG, you know what I'm saying? But the, the very act of adultery is embarrassing. It's, it's, it's shameful. And then you have a... Uh, everyone wants to stone her now, you know? So the, this tension is twofold. It's that at the woman who's going to be maybe stoned and at Jesus because they're trying to trap him. You know, if Jesus says, you know, go ahead and stone the woman. Let's, let's go get her. You know, they're going to haul him off to the Romans, you know? The Jews aren't supposed to be carrying out executions. And if he says, you know, don't stone her, but then they'll say, well, hey, you're breaking Mosaic law or whatnot, you know? So they come to Jesus with this issue. And, you know, the Bible says that Jesus just, he gets down and starts writing in the dirt. We don't know what he's writing about. I think that's pretty awkward myself. You know, I, you're trying to talk to somebody and, you know, they just start writing in the dirt. You know, so it, we got this serious issue we're trying to deal with Jesus. What, what are you doing? You know, it's just, you know, Jesus. You know, and Jesus is still doing whatever he's doing in the dirt. He finally pops up, you know, about time. And he says, whoever is, who has no sin in their life, you know, cast, whoever has sin in I'm messing the whole thing up. We've got to edit that up. <laughs> and cast the first stone if you have no sin. And, uh, and everyone, one by one, you know, the rocks are dropping. And everyone just goes away. And it's just like another just, just blow moment with Jesus. You know, it's just, he just, he shuts everybody up. He gets out of the trap. And this, this happens throughout the Gospels a lot. Now, Jesus could have, he just ignored the problem. You know, he could have just walked off. He could have agreed with the hostilities and be like, well, what do you guys want to do? You know what I'm saying? He could have just, it's a lot easier to agree with the hostility because we don't want anything directed toward us, you know? But Jesus confronted it. He confronted the issue and he confronted it with grace and truth. He said a statement that just, again, shut everybody up. Nothing, no one could say anything. They all knew they had sin in their lives. They couldn't stone this woman. So we see this, uh, if we look in our own lives, you know, what, what would we have done in that situation? You know, some of us might have got in the faces of a um, of someone, we might have had a hostile situation either with our, ourselves personally or with uh, one, of the, um, one of our family members or friends or something. Again, we may ignore it or we may, we may get in the, the, the person's face attacking that person, which Jesus didn't do either. You know, Jesus just speaking grace and truth again. He wasn't tearing down the people who were after the woman. So as I look at this, this, uh, this entity called hostility, this disease of anger that could be within us, or that we face every day at work or in our families or our friends, you know, I can think of uh, relationships in my own lives, that, my own life that, uh, that I haven't really let God in there. You know, there's some tension there that I haven't dealt with. Some of you may be at that point, you know, where, you know, you're okay with leaving the tension there. You know, you're okay with letting maybe a family member not really come close. So you're okay with, you know, maybe it's a father or mother or brother or sister, co-worker. You're okay with it. You say it's not that bad. But think about the glory of God that's being missed out on. Think about what God could do with that relationship. If you just let him in, if you just allow God's love into that relationship and stop putting it off, stop ignoring the tension, the frustration. I know it's hard. This is a, this is a hard thing to do. But God's love, God's light, it's for everybody. 
It's not just for someone, people we select, people who we get along with easily. It's not for that. If we're going to love one person, we've got to love everybody. Can Jesus say, love your enemies? It's easy to love somebody who loves you, who's just like you. It's hard to step out of that box and if someone has a misunderstanding. If, you, if you're just from different backgrounds, it's, it's easy to let that, that go. But especially in our church, we're such a small church now, it's, it's easy to rub one another the wrong way. Maybe there's some issues between us that we need to deal with, you know? Maybe some of us need to get on the phone after this, this church service and maybe sit down with somebody and say, we need to work something out. 1 John 1, 5-7. I will read through this. I'm going to close soon. I don't, I don't talk long. Everybody there? We'll just assume that's a yes. Y'all quiet this morning. What's up? <laughs> this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and we don't live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So God is light, right? In him there's no darkness at all. The Bible also says, I think it's in Matthew 5 somewhere, that we are the light of the world. So God's light, we're light, and we, we claim to have communion with God. That's what we claim as Christians, right? We have a relationship with the Lord. But if there's areas of darkness in our lives that we're not dealing with, there's areas of, of darkness in our lives that we're too afraid to go after, too afraid to attack it with the Word of God, then we're, we're living a lie. Not that we're not Christians, but we're not living in accordance of one who's following Christ, one who's walking with the light. There's still darkness there. If you look in this, you know, any room, you turn on the lights, you know, the only reason that there's shadows or whatnot, any little areas of darkness is because something's blocking the light. And God has given us such an amazing gift in salvation. I don't think some of us realize just how powerful that is. And we, we are the light of the world. And think about that. God has made us the light of the world. We don't need to try to be the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Our problem comes sometimes when we don't believe that. Or if we're not allowing that light out, we've got things blocking in it. You know, we have like a shade over our light and it's dim, you know? No one's seeing it. We may go to work and no one, no one notices any difference in you. You're living in a community just, as Jesus, I think, said, with a bowl over that, that light, you know? Not letting it out. It's powerful. In the salvation, we have love, we have joy and peace. We have power in this relationship with God. But some things like hostility, some things we're afraid of, to touch on that. And again, this morning, I'm talking about the very nature of sin. It, it, you could have a problem with, with pride or with lust or something that you don't want to deal with. It's just lingering around. But then you're living a lie. You're not really in communion with God as much as you could be. There's, you're, there's, there's light and a little bit of darkness with light. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't, that doesn't work. We have to be more aggressive with the darkness in our lives.
They have to be. Again, I know this is a, a hard message to take, um, especially when it comes to relationships. Sometimes our family members are the hardest people to talk to. <laughs> you know, they've been with us. They they watch us grow up, and they only see us in one certain perspective. And it's hard to uh, to break those barriers. But we have power in Christ to do that. That light can shine out. It can it can tackle that relationship. It can break down those walls. But we have to let it. We have to believe that God's power can do that. I just want to take some time. Uh, Joel, you can come play guitar if you want. Just to, uh, to pray. I see these three areas of this hostility in us. You know, It could be hostility within us personally. It could be Hostility between you know a family member again a relationship, or it could just be that you're afraid to do what God's put in your heart to do. You're afraid of hostility. You're afraid of confrontation. You're okay, you know, with the sin being out there. You know, we'll just stay in our own little world and we'll let them do whatever they do. And as we saw that that scripture that that I read there, John eight one through eleven, that woman caught in adultery. Jesus didn't. He didn't condemn the woman. He didn't condemn the people. He just spoke truth. He acted in truth and grace. And that truth, there was power in that truth. And it, it got rid of the hostility. There was nothing they could do or say against what Jesus said. I want to pray first for everyone, for uh, anyone who may have some anger and hostility in their lives. And I'm just, I encourage you to let that go today. I encourage you throughout this week, if there's something God puts on your heart that you have to you feel like you want to get rid of. You know it's there. You haven't dealt with it. Maybe it's a dark area of your life and maybe you have that picture that we talked about in the beginning that you didn't think it was a big deal. But it's still darkness, you know? I want to pray for that right now. Father God, I thank you, God, that we are the light of the world. I thank you that for this precious gift of salvation that we have in you. I thank you for the power, Lord, to tackle that darkness in our lives. Lord, and that you love us enough to come at that darkness. And I just pray for everyone here, God, that we would have enough courage, Lord, to, to lay these, these sins and these dark areas of our lives down and give them to you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you work on our hearts. If there's any things that we've been covering up, if we've had a hard heart in any area of our personal lives, God, that you would break those walls, Lord, that you would soften our hearts to hear from you. You cast them at your feet, God. Let your light in, Lord. In Jesus' name. I want to pray for any relationships that you may be having. Maybe this, again, maybe you need to get on the phone with somebody when you leave here. You know, maybe you need to hook up with someone through the week or, or plan a trip with somebody just to, to talk some things out. There's some things that you've been letting hang around too long. God, I thank you, Lord, for your gift of love that we have with one another. Lord, and I know that you want us to have perfect communion with one another. You want us to be transparent with one another. You want us to share this great gift of love with everybody. The gospel is for everybody, God. And I just pray, Lord, again, that you would give us courage, Lord, to tear down those walls in our relational lives, God, that you would strengthen marriages, God, strengthen friendships, Lord. Give us a heart of love, Lord, for the, for the harvest and not allow our differences and our misunderstandings, Lord, to keep us apart. 
We lay these at your feet as well, God. We lay this darkness down at your feet. In Jesus' name. And lastly, I want to pray just for the, just against this hostility. If we're afraid. You know, this city needs a lot of help. You know, we talked about how hostile it is, and that's true. You know, you just stand around a little bit, and hostility will come to you, you know. But we have to be bold. As Christians, we have the Most High God who's commissioned us to reach out. He's commissioned us to preach. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. We're more than conquerors in Christ. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the King is on your side? This majestic one we sing about every Sunday morning, do you believe that He's on your side? Do you believe that, you know, if, if God's with us, who can be against us? And we should be bold against hostility. We should be bold to preach the gospel. We should be bold in just community service, but not just a little bit of community service, just enough to appease our consciences. We need to go all the way and do what God's put in our hearts to do. Some of you may want to go on the mission field, or you may want to do something that seems radical, you know, for God. God's stirring your heart up to do something just awesome in this, in this city. But maybe you're holding back because you're afraid. What if God doesn't come through? You know, what if... What if I get out there and I don't know what I'm saying and, you know, and I, what if I offend somebody? What do I do when I have to confront this hostility that's out there, that's already out there concerning the church, concerning the gospel? And I encourage you today, again, just to, to dig into scriptures, pray that God would increase your boldness in Him. Let me pray now. God, I thank you just for that you've made us more than conquerors in you, God. I thank you, Lord, for the power and might that's in you. I thank you, God, that we have your hands, God, that we have your tongue, we have your feet. Lord, that we've been united with you. I thank you for that, God. I thank you for this, this message, this gospel that can bring people together, the power that's in the gospel, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that we'll have a greater understanding of this gospel, a greater understanding of our responsibility as Christians, a greater, a greater understanding, God, of just of walking in you and your might. I know words can't do it justice, God, but I pray, Lord, that you uh, deliver us from our, our darkened thinking. Give us strength, God. In Jesus' name.